Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I am your host, Trevor Williams. And today on the show, I want you to imagine what if there was something like an Etsy for farmers and ranchers where ranchers could sell beef for something around, I don't know, a max of maybe $15 a pound. Or maybe if you're a consumer and you want to buy grass-finished beef from Montana or grain-finished beef from Texas, you could do that all on one website. So that is the idea behind today's really company, Range Market, and our guest today, which is Cassie Hammerness, who actually met through a mutual friend, Brady Revels, and he introduced me to Range Market and Cassie, and learned a lot from Cassie today on this interview about how Range Market started out as an idea in her MBA classes, and now it's a full-functioning website, and you can buy beef and different meats from 16 different producers in eight states. I mean, looking at their website now, there are some farms like Pitchfork Ranch, um, Meat America, Wyoming Cowboy Cuts, just to name a few, and it's going to expand, which is super neat. So in our interview today, Cassie is going to tell us about the inspiration behind it, why she thinks this is going to be a huge thing for farmers as well as consumers, and how stuff like this can really help save ranchers, which, you know, aren't making a whole lot of money, especially because of various issues with our supply chain and, you know, stuff like that. And so this is something that's really cool that's really going to change the the industry, I feel like. And yeah, I think this is super cool. And it's even also, if you're a farmer or a rancher, it's cool listening to Cassie talk about, you know, the impact that this has had on those ranchers, on how much more profitable it is versus, you know, the standard... Um, sending off your cows to a feedlot or something else. So this is really interesting. Love chatting with Cassie. Check out Range Market at the link below this podcast episode. And of course, if you're new here, if you are a longtime listener, thank you so much. 
be sure to subscribe wherever you are listening at or wherever it might be handy for you, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff. And of course, check out some cool show notes and everything at thefarmtraveler.com. So hope you enjoy this interview with Cassie and thanks so much for listening. We met virtually through our friend Brady Rebels, which who is like, you know, one of the coolest guys out there. So how, how do you know Brady? So Brady and I both started our careers as young 22, 23-year-olds with Elenco Animal Health. And so he was a sales rep on the beef team in Nebraska, and I was a sales rep on the beef team in Texas. And so we were both newbies, fresh out of college, and became fast friends. That's awesome. He's one of those, I was a state officer here in Florida several years after him, and he's one of those Floridians that I can't believe he moved out of state and he's in Nebraska still. But I mean, love Brady. He's doing good things now. Um, so that's so cool. A small world. He, he, he does some phenomenal cooking on his Instagram. Yeah. And he shared um, uh, range market stuff one day, and I was like, I need to have him on the show. And he's, I think he sent me a message. He was like, Hey, you need, you need to have him on. I was like, Yeah, absolutely. So, and here we are. Yeah, yeah. We've sent him quite a bit of beef, and he's been a big supporter. And I keep telling him he needs to have a cooking Instagram page. So I think he, I think he's just missing a cool name. So maybe you could ask your viewers to like come up with a good name for his cooking page and and help him out there. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started working with uh, Range Market and kind of also like what exactly is Range Market? Yeah, so I am a born and raised farm girl from Western North Dakota, uh, the middle of nowhere. Had like 14 kids in my class through eighth grade. And my nephew and niece are now the fifth generation on my family's farm and ranch out there. And so grew up having suppers in the wheat fields and checking heifers at night. You know, that was my curfew was I had to be home in time to check the heifers at night during calving <laughs> season. And so it's definitely in my blood just being involved in agriculture, especially production agriculture culture and cattle specifically. And so right after I graduated college from North Dakota State, I mentioned that I started my career at Elenco Animal Health, where I still work. And that entire career has been in the beef industry. And it's just really, really a passion of mine that I love. And so that's my background. I now live in Montana. Mm. Um, my husband and I relocated up here to Bozeman, Montana, um, by way of Oklahoma and Texas. And our career just kind of took us all over. And Anyways, landed here in Montana. I have a little boy. He was born in June. His name's Henry, but we call him Hank. And so that's been a whole a whole new chapter in our lives. Um, but that's really me in a nutshell. Um, so Range Market, I was getting my MBA at Colorado State University. And we had to come up with an idea for our capstone project. Mm. And the class would vote on the ideas. And the ones that got picked became projects that we worked on. And I proposed an idea, which was basically Baby Range Market, um, and the class voted on it and we worked on it all semester. And when the semester was done, my professor said, you know, this is a really good idea. And I think you should really think about launching this and making a, a business out of it. Um, and so that's what I did. I just built it out with my co-founder at the time. And we've just had a lot of fun. I, I, I should mention I was an avid barrel racer. Um, and oh, loved, okay. Yeah, love to rodeo ride horses. But I, since having a baby and shifting gears and focusing on range market now, this has really become a, a big passion and hobby of mine. So that's awesome. You started it during your MBA program. I mean, I feel like that yeah. gives it such a cool like think tank vibe. I mean, you have so many people working on it and then your professor's like, hey, this is a good idea. You should do this full time. And you did. And that's so, the, yeah. so cool. It's becoming like this huge thing. Yeah. So I guess you asked, what is it? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Tell us more about it. Yeah. it. yeah. So really, I like to say it's like Etsy for 
farmers and ranchers. Like that's it in a nutshell. So like Etsy is a place that unites artisans, right? Like, and people who are making things, um, it gives them one platform. So you can go on there and search for, uh, I don't know, a wooden shelf and it like pings the people that make wooden shelves. So we're the same thing, but for like protein producers, Mm. obviously we're very beef heavy because that's the industry I know. That's the industry I'm in. Like that's the, that's the product I'm personally selling for my parents. Um, so it's primarily beef producers, but we do have chicken we do have some lamb. We do have some a grass-fed creamery in upstate New York. And the overall vision is to really create a place where you can get your range of animal products. Um, so you can come on here and you can buy your chicken, your pork, your lamb, whatever it is. And you can type in ribeye and it pings all the people who have ribeyes to offer. And you can define it by production methods. So if you're really into grass-fed, you can type in grass-fed and it pings all the grass-fed producers. Mm. And so that's sort of like, it really is like Etsy, um, but for protein protein market. I like that. That that's a really good quote. I feel like that should be like a the motto, like the Etsy for farmers and ranchers, like specifically for protein. Yeah. That's that's very catchy because it it gives you like a feel about what it's going to be when you go there. And I mean, the website's awesome. I like to geek out over over websites, and so the market's really cool. RangeMarket.com. Um, and so, what is what's kind of setting you guys apart from different online markets for for beef or lamb or chicken? Like, what's kind of the draw there? Like, what's setting you guys apart? Yeah. So really, when you look at the landscape of buying meat online, like there's a few places that really stand out, you know, obviously, like everyone knows Omaha Steaks, mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, they go buy a ribeye from Omaha Steaks. Another one that's been up and coming that has good products is Snake River Farms. You know, they're out of Idaho. They have some some nice Wagyu, you know. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's other little, I guess, online steak places and then there's the, the butcher box and the crowd cow. So butcher box is a little different than Snake River Farms and um, Omaha Steaks and that like, you know, they send you a box every month, blah, blah, blah. But none of these sites at all give you a spot or a place to go talk to a farmer and rancher and buy from them directly. You know, we're a farmer's market online like that you can do from your couch or your chair. And it, you don't have that ability when you go to Omaha Steaks. You can pick out what you want to buy and you can have that steak shipped to your house, but you really don't know where it's coming from. And, and ButcherBox, you know, all of their meat, or I shouldn't say meat, most of their beef is sourced from Australia and New Zealand. I mean, so you're getting a box of beef, but you don't know the farmer or rancher it came from. And even if you do, it might tell you, oh, your meat could come from John Smith in Queensland, right? Yeah. Um, but we can tell you for sure, like, hey, you can pick out the person you want to have a virtual handshake with and buy from them. And that that really is a differentiator that's not available out there right now. Yeah, I think that's so cool. And I mean, I think like when companies like Omaha Steaks or ButcherBox started out, they wanted to connect the farmer with the consumer, but I feel like they scaled way too quickly. And so they're yeah. having to source their meat from Australia, from Brazil. So you're really not getting that, I don't know, that personal connection at all, which is awesome that you guys are offering that, you know, you want to support a, a ranger from um, Montana, you can do that. I think that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with you. Like, we definitely still have a very local vibe, right? And and we haven't, like, we right now we have 16 producers on the site from eight states. So it's been a slow process. Like, my our team all has full-time jobs, right? And so that is, you know, a, an important thing to note right now, um, that this is something that we've created while we have full-time jobs also. But more importantly, like, we are taking our time ensuring that like all the producers we bring on, like we know them, we trust them. And our goal going forward is to have 25 by May and 50 by Christmas. But for every producer we add, 
we need to add another one from a state we don't have or a production method we don't have. Mm. So if we add a beef rancher from Montana, which we already have ranchers from Montana on there, we need to add a rancher from Oklahoma. We don't have one of those. Or we need to find a pork producer. And so really variety is a, a key to our adding producers to our site. We're not just trying to get every beef rancher on here. It's really important that we have a variety so a con consumer in West Virginia can go on there and find a producer that is more local to them, you know, like someone that is a state or two over or that meets their production method specs. Like maybe they really want someone that um, is grass, you know, grass fed grain finished. Okay. I want to have a variety of those to choose from. I want to have a variety hundred percent grass fed, right? So having that variety is key to us and that's prevented us from growing really fast. But I feel, I feel good about that because I really want that to be a core of who we are. Yeah, you're giving them like a very specific choice. Like 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 you said, if they're in West Virginia, they can support a West Virginia rancher that's grass fed if they want that. Like they can get as specific yeah. and as nitty gritty as they can, which I think is cool. And I want to back up a little bit because I love picking people's brains about this, but I also have a full-time job and I've got this podcast. And so it's interesting being in that space where you're trying to build something, but you've also got another job, you know? And so yeah. it's interesting that you're going through the same thing with range market and the, also the other people that work there, like you've got to divvy up your time very well. You want to devote a lot of time to that passion project for like rain market for you, for example. And so it's, it's difficult being drawn back and forth, isn't it? It is. And I, I heard a speaker this year who I have a lot of respect for. He's a former um, military leader, but he, he said leadership requires sacrifice. Mm. And so when I think of leadership, I think of also having, you know, the, the risk to do something new, like you with your podcast, right? And me with Range Market. Well, that requires some sacrifice. And in my case, it required sacrificing the time I was spending with my horses and that hobby to say, hey, I need to put that aside for a minute because I'm going to pursue something else. And I also still want to be good at what I do in my day job, right? So like something has to give somewhere. And um, so I just chose to sacrifice, like I said, the horses and the rodeo for this stage in my life. And, and that's okay because I'm really loving this. And I'm sure, you know, you're giving up things that you would like to do to be able to pursue this podcast. And it's just something you have to make a choice on. Yeah. I mean, you got to make those sacrifices and it's not like, for example, for you, it's not like you're never going to ride horses again or, or rodeo. Like yeah, you exactly. can do it. Yeah. It's, it's just like a, a, a weird season where you've got to give that up for a little while to reach this other goal. So yeah, it's funny. It's not, not really funny. It's interesting to see like people go through that dilemma and just kind of figure it out. I mean, like you're saying, you got to make all those sacrifices, but, um, yeah, but yeah, so well worth it though. Well oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So range market, like what, what are the benefits for these ranchers that are going this route that are working with you as opposed to, you know, just shipping off their cattle to, um, a feed yard where they then go get processed and maybe to a Walmart or a different grocery store. So what's the benefit for the farmers for working with you guys? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, so like in a tr traditional like beef supply chain setting, right, you have really two options. Well, three if you're going to sell direct to consumer like range market, but let's table that. So really you have two major options, which is like probably 90, 95%, if not more producers would do. They would either sell their calves after they wean them, which usually in the northern part of the U.S. happens in the fall. Um, and so they would get you know, buck 75 a pound for those 650 pound calves, you know, mm -hmm. maybe more like that's just um, depending on what the market is. Um, or they could retain ownership and feed those cattle out to a finishing weight. When I say finishing weight, that's, you know, harvest weight. Um, and that would, you know, they might get like a buck 
50 for those cattle weighing 1,400 pounds, which I was probably a little light on my dollar seventy five earlier, but <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's our two options, right? They can either like keep them till harvest and send them, you know, to our send them to a feed yard to be finished uh, till harvest, or feed them out at the ranch themselves until harvest and send them all in one big load. Um, but they're not getting really any premiums for that, mm-hmm. right? Now you have your seed stock producers who are selling bulls and heifers, and that that's a different deal, but. For the most part, people are making, you know, under $2 a pound for these animals and producers are paying nearly an average of $7 a pound at grocery store shelves for fresh beef. And so there's obviously a big gap there, right? Like there's a lot of money to be made in the middle that farmers and ranchers aren't, aren't seeing. And I saw something when I was, when I was building range market that back in 2019, um, there was an article from the Washington Post and it said every year since 1980, an average of 17,000 cattle ranchers have gone out of business. And so it's easy to see that like a lot of the small, small mom and pop farms are just like going out of business and it's not hard or it's not easy to have that way of life anymore. You know, input costs are rising, but their price they're getting for cattle is not rising that much. Um, And so range market is just a way for them to really capture that middle that I was talking about, like get the profits directly for the products that they're producing. And so, um, we sold about $20,000 worth of beef in December. And I saw some of our producers after, you know, any range market and shipping costs were taken out, they were netting, you know, $15 a pound on their beef. And so that's a really good number for them versus how selling it like they did previously. So that's some huge profit margins to capture. Granted, there's a lot more work involved, right? Like you got to package up beef, you have to take it to a custom processor. So there's those costs too. Um, but still overall, when we've done the economic analysis for people, they've come out several dollars a pound ahead by selling their beef on range market. Yeah. It, so there's that. Yeah. And then just a connection to the consumer. Yeah. Which people I, want to know where their food comes from. Yeah. That's, that, that's true. And I think that's so cool. Like you can connect with the consumer. They can literally see yeah. what, like where their food comes from. And also, like you were saying, like you shorten that food supply chain, the farmer is going to have much, like much higher profits with a little bit more work and consumers are going to get a better, fresher, more local product. Like, I think that's just a win-win. Well, and like I said, or you were saying, consumers want to know where their food comes from. But in the same sense, farmers and ranchers are really proud people of all the work that they put into these products. And I think they get as much of a sense of satisfaction knowing the family that they're feeding as consumers do knowing the family that fed them, right? So it's a two-way street there. It's like, hey, like this family of six bought our 50-pound beef box. Like, how cool is that? Like, I'm going to send some recipes to them and I'm going to send them a note to let them know how much I appreciate this. Like, that's that's a feeling that you can't put money on. Yeah, and that's such a cool relationship to build because, I mean, you have that relationship. Guess what? That's probably going to be a repeat customer that's going to come back time and time again. They're going to tell their friends and family to like, hey, I, I bought some beef from this guy from Montana. Like his beef is amazing. He sent me these recipes. Go check them out. I think this is so cool. And I mean, it's amazing that this stuff is happening, that if you want to do that, you can support that. You can find those farmers. Um, and I mean, really, like, did you guys start this before or after the pandemic? So we started it like smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. Okay. So I was in this capstone class uh, in January of 2021. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, not quite a year into the pandemic, maybe like 10 months or so. Um, so we were feeling the supply strength, 
supply chain constraints uh, really heavily at that time. Like grocery store shelves were empty for meat. Mm -hmm. And then when they did have it, prices were just skyrocketed. Everyone knew packers at that time were making like five or $600 a head. Like it was insane, the profits they were making. And so that's, that's really where I saw that. Like I was like, hey, my parents farm and ranch and they're paying way more for their input costs, like their fertilizer, their feed, all that. And they're still getting whatever a dollar whatever for these calves but yet the prices in the grocery store are like $50 for a ribeye like like this is crazy and so yeah it was right in the middle of all that and I think during the pandemic too we really saw an uptick in grocery shopping online mm -hmm. I mean that's when supermarkets started offering that and so people became comfortable with it um I read some data that said 77% of consumers want to continue buying groceries online. I mean, let's be honest. When you go in and you add all that stuff to your Target cart or your Albertsons or whatever store you use and you pull up and someone brings it out to you, it's something pretty easy to get used to. Oh, yeah. And, My wife and I, we do the Walmart pickup orders and I, I, yeah. I, I hate Walmart. But the Walmart pickup orders are so handy. You don't have to go in. You get cheap stuff. Yeah. Phenomenal. It's so handy and convenient. Yeah, exactly. So I think like that like was a really good thing for someone like Range Market because people got comfortable buying meat and produce online. And they're like, hey, this is no big deal. Like I can do this. And if I don't have to leave my house and be around all these other people who are the world is crazy, you know, like I'm I'm good with that. And so that it was like right in the middle of the pandemic that it got started. And yeah, that's yeah, that helped definitely. I bet it did. Yeah. I, I saw a lot of companies, I mean a lot of farmers and ranchers that they pivoted a little bit to where maybe yeah. like, I mean, like here in Florida, for example, there were a lot of restaurants and stuff shutting down. So if you didn't pivot to find a new customer, like farms and ranches were going under. And so as a means of survival, you had to pivot, you had to find a new audience, a new customer base, or else, you know, you were going to go under. But that's perfect. You guys were kind of sandwiched right in there. And you could kind of capitalize on people wanting to shop from home. Um, like what all did y'all do to kind of get the word out there? Like, hey, here's range market, here's a new marketplace. Here's the new Etsy for farmers and ranchers. So come buy our products. Like, how, what did you do to get the word out? Yeah, so really it took us, like I said, we worked on it in our capstone from January to May 2021. And I would say for a year, you know, it just was kind of sitting there. Um, we had to find a developer, obviously, because our site's completely custom made. And so we, we wanted to find a developer and do that and then just work on stuff in this background. But um, again, very busy with careers and things like that. And I, you know, found out I was pregnant. And so there's a lot going on during that time where we weren't really prioritizing much with range market. And then this summer when I had some time, so summer 2022, fast forward a bit, I was like, Hey, I think we're ready to, you know, we have some producers out there. That was the first step, right? Mm -hmm. We needed producers. We didn't want to get the word out there if no one had any meat to buy. So there was that fine line of recruiting producers, not having consumers, or recruiting consumers and not having the producer base. And so that's why we started with a small but manageable number. Um, and then this fall is when we really kind of launched. And we just, uh, we have a gal on our team, Lindsay Anton, that does social media and she's just phenomenal at it. Some people just have a gift for that. And so she really went out there and just like blasted social media with awesome content. And that helped get a lot of the word out. And then we just told our family and friends, you know, we kind of did it that way. We're like, hey, like we're here for your Christmas gift giving. We sent out, we had some corporate orders. And so some people that worked for companies placed orders with us that went out to a bunch of their customers and those customers got boxes, loved them, reached out, wanted to buy more gift boxes. So that's kind of what happened. 
in November, December when we launched. It's just like we blasted it out there, sent some boxes for people to try, told our friends and family, and we're just spread. Hey, well, there you go. Get that word of mouth out there. I mean, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, did you have to figure out like different shipping techniques and all that stuff for all the different proteins that you guys offer? Oh my gosh. Shipping <laughs> is a big reason why it took us so long to mm. even get to this point. It is a real beast. It kills your profits very, very quickly. And so earlier you asked one of the benefits of being on range market. We did work out a deal with Ship Engine, and I have had several farmers and ranchers on our site say, I have no idea how you guys are getting those shipping rates. Because um, it is, we we were able to build an algorithm into the back of our, our site, or I guess an API is what it's called technically. Okay, yeah. uh, I'm not techie, so <laughs> forgive me. Um, but it basically gets the labels generated so producers can just go on and print them directly from our site. And they are substantially cheaper than just going to the UPS store and mailing it yourself. So I will say that. Um, but that took six to eight months to really get to that point. We had to have a lot of conversations with shippers. Um, one of my teammates did that and we had to just figure out like how to make this work. Like what is the right price to charge? You know, we didn't want cart abandonment because no consumer, myself included, wants to put $50 of meat in my cart and then go find out the shipping is 40. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, mm-hmm. That's just an instant buzzkill. And and so we were like, how do we do that? So we decided on a $25 flat rate fee. And there are times if someone buys close to a state that they live, or if they buy from a producer close to where they live, it, you know, it isn't that expensive. So the producer might come out a little bit ahead on that. Um, but other times, you know, they're definitely eating a lot of shipping costs, especially because the supplies are pretty expensive too. Styrofoam's crazy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, dry ice is expensive. And so we, we had our producers build that into the pricing model so that consumers aren't surprised. Like ground beef on range market is like nine, 10 bucks a pound. Right. But there is shipping costs built into that as well. And so we tried to make it be like, Hey, these are the prices, but you're not going to get surprised at the end with a $40 shipping charge. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. I mean, that's the biggest hassle. I feel like, I mean, if you want to support, small scale farmers and ranchers throughout the United States. I mean, you've got to pay some shipping costs because I mean, it's not like you can get, just ship it and a week it'll get there. Like you've got to ship this meat really quickly or else yeah. it's going to spoil. Well, and you asked about different proteins and to answer that, no, for all the meat, it's the same. Mm. Um, we, we just do two day air for everything. Really? Okay. So yeah. So we found out, we tried to want, we tried to send some test shipments this summer um, doing the three-day deal with a lot of dry ice. And it worked, but we were having several boxes that just, it wasn't what we wanted. And we thought, well, that's one last day that a shipper has to handle it. We're just sticking to two-day air and that's what we're doing. So I gotcha. So how does it work exactly managing all these farmers and ranchers, managing where it all gets processed and then shipping it out? Like, I mean, are you having to like kind of track everybody's supply chain, you know? Like the the butchers that they use, the suppliers and everything. Like, what's it like, like managing all of that? Yeah, that's a good question. So they there's some legal documents involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have to sign a seller agreement saying that they will harvest animals at a USDA inspected facility mm-hmm. only, and that's the only way they're allowed to sell any sort of meat on our site. Um, beef, actually, for chicken, it's a little different. They have some different laws state by state. We only have two chicken producers actually, but beef it has to be killed at a USDA federally inspected plant because. Other than that, it's illegal to sell across state lines. And so we just made that like a, a fast and hard rule to abide by. Mm-hmm. Um, and sellers signed an agreement saying that they'll do that. Um, we are producers, I should say. And 
that goes back to the whole knowing the producers we bring on board, right? And so we want it, we do some like quality check where we like find out where are they processing, just do a little double check on that. Um, we usually get a test shipment box or two or send some, like I've sent some to Brady um, and oh, say, yeah. hey, test this box out, like make sure that the quality is good, like how's the presentation? And so we do that with every producer that we bring on board um, so that there's no surprises. So that when a consumer orders a box of meat from us, they know that it's going to be good. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of testing that, that's got to go on there. I mean, plus, obviously, you get to try some really good beef, which is pretty darn good, I can imagine. Yeah, Brady texted me the other day and told me one of the roasts he got from one of our producers was the best roast he ever had. Really? Brady's eating a lot of beef, so I I took that as a compliment. That, yeah, I feel like that's a very very high compliment. I mean, so one question I wanted to touch base on, we kind of touched base on it a little bit, but do you think that this can address things like sustainability, regenerative farming, regenerative ranching, and stuff like that when consumers can support? those farmers that are maybe following those practices? Like, do you think that's something that, I don't know, consumers could learn more about? Definitely. And I, I'll get, I want to get to the sustainability piece in a second, but first I want to, I want to say something that I think is really important. Like the U S beef industry as a whole is incredibly sustainable. Mm. I mean, compared to 1975, it takes 36% fewer cattle to produce the same amount of beef today, which is amazing. We're producing like way more beef with way less resources. That's that's really a true sustainable sustainability story right there. And so the one thing I want people to to understand like with range market and that I really I feel passionate about is I I'm not trying to scare people away from going to the grocery store to buy their beef in America because I feel very strongly that like the beef that we have here in the US is safe, it's high quality. Like the producers that stock those shelves are, are my fan. That's my family too. Right. And so like, it's really important to say like, Hey, that beef is still great. It's still high quality, but we are here to offer you another option that, um, is probably more sustainable for the producers themselves. Yeah. Right. So like, I'm, I'm not talking about environmental stuff, but like just in terms of keeping farms for generations to come, like, yes, like that's where range market can really make a difference. And if you Look up the definition of sustainability. You get a thousand different things, right? But I, I, the one that I really like is that sustainability consists of fulfilling the needs of current generations without compromising the growth of future generations um, while ensuring a balance between economic growth, environmental care, and social well-being. I think that's a phenomenal definition of sustainability. And if you take that definition right there and you look at range market, a thousand percent, it can help with sustainability. Why? Well, I told you earlier, you know, about the Washington Post article about how 17,000 farms were going out of business every year. Like that's not sustainable, right? And so if we can come in and help farmers and ranchers now, like my mom and dad, if they can make more money per animal um, selling on range market, like that's a model that can help ensure that that farm and ranch is there for my niece and nephew someday, you know, who, who are living there now too. Like there's literally four generations living on our farm. And so making sure that that farm is there 50 years from now, 75 years from now, like that's, that's really what we're here to do. So, yeah, I, I think if you look at it like that, it a hundred percent can. Yeah. I mean, that's also something that I haven't really thought about, like the sustainability of keeping these businesses open and just kind of also the economic sustainability of it. I mean, all the jobs that they supply, like there's not going to be nearly as many ranches going under if we do more stuff like this. Yeah, rural people. communities. Yeah, ex exactly. I mean, that's something that, you know, if, if we lose all these rural businesses, all of these rural jobs, like that's not going to be good for the entire economy in the United States or even the world. So 
obviously we want the obviously we want to pay attention to the environment which beef and agriculture is doing a great job at you know over hundreds of years reducing our impact and doing more with less which i don't feel like a lot of people give us enough credit for but we've also no. got to think about the sustainability of the jobs and of the impact it has on the economy i mean yeah there, there's a lot that goes into there i mean there's a lot more to sustainability than just the environmental stuff I mean, if a, if a producer sells an animal on range market and makes an average of $1,500 more per animal, which I, is a very conservative number, but I mean, and that's net, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so net profit after they take out their processing fees and shipping fees and all that. So if they can make $1,500 more per animal and they sell anim 10 animals on range market, that's $15,000 a year, which if you live in a small town America and there's not a lot of job options... And you're a farm wife who would rather be at home full time than working a part time job in town. Like that's a substantial extra source of income. And that, like I said, was very, very conservative numbers. You know, we've seen some producers net like three to four thousand more by selling on range market per animal. And so so that that makes a big difference. And I, I will say, like the producers on our site, nearly all of them have outside income mm -hmm. besides farming and ranching. We have one producer that plows the parking lot at a ski resort in the winter for extra income. We have another one who works in corporate America. We have another one who works at a local insurance agency in town three days a week. And so those are all people who have told me, I want to just farm and ranch full time. And I can't afford to do that. Like, how sad is that, right? Like that the people that are producing our food can't even afford to produce your food full time and they have to supplement their income. And so I think a real big passion and like the story behind our why is like we want to enable them to do that you know like we want them to be at home producing their food producing your food and being able to do that full time without having to have another job like you know I just I would love to see that and I had someone tell me this December and it almost brought tears to my eyes they said range market has just blessed us so much already with the extra income. And I think they got maybe three, $4,000 from us. And they just said it was a game changer. And I thought, that's why we're doing this right there. Like people like that. And then of course, the other piece is connecting the consumer to these awesome folks that I know that I get to see every day and work with, but people in New York, Denver, Chicago, they don't know them like I do. And I want them to meet them and know them and love them. So I think that's very sustainable. <laughs> and that's so cool. And, and going back to the pricing, you said like very, very conservative, com conservatively, the the producers are making like $1,500 more per animal. It's not that they, you guys are charging super high amounts for the, for, um, for the beef, for the, for the different proteins. It's because you are shortening that food supply chain. There are a lot less people involved. And so the farmer can get more money for their product instead of, you know, getting a very, very small amount. And so I think that's huge. Like, like you were saying, they can then, you know, go full-time on the ranch, <clears throat> go full-time on the farm instead of having to get supplemental income because we're shortening that food supply chain, we're building those relationships. And so, yeah, obviously a win-win. 100%. Yeah, you take out like the Cisco's of the world, you take out the grocery stores. I mean, how many places does that beef touch before it gets yeah. to a consumer? And the reality is we need that. We need like those food systems, like feed the masses. We have millions of people here in the US that we want to eat beef and that need to eat beef. And we have a huge export market. So that is all needed, right? Um, you know, range market can't supply every person in America with beef, right? But if we can, you know, supply 10%, like that's a huge win. And that's a, that's a lot of people, by the way. Oh, yeah. But you get what I'm saying? Like it, 
there's there's a re, there's a need for both supply chains, but I think in this case, if we can help shorten the beef supply chain to a number of produce for a number of producers and a number of consumers, like that's making a big impact for those people. And if you can change the life of one person, I mean, you're you're doing good. Oh yeah, I mean, you're changing lives, you're changing careers, and obviously, you're also changing like a whole industry. I mean, the impact it's having on you know the whole food supply chain on agriculture, I think, has been phenomenal, and so it's really cool to see. I mean. If there are if there are ranchers out there that want to get involved with you guys, what are some good steps that they could do? Maybe there's a beef rancher in Florida that wants to work with you guys. Like, what would be the next steps? Yeah, so really the next step is just send us an email. Um, you know, my email is Cassie, C-A-S-S-I, at rangemarket.com or go to Range Market and hit contact us. I get all those emails. And just reach out and say, hey, tell me more. You know, what is Range Market? Like, how do I get involved? And then we usually start a conversation back and forth. And after a couple emails, I pick up the phone and call and say, like, hey, this is what you need to do. This is how you get involved. Um, and so it's that simple. Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, you guys are you're building your social media following, which is awesome. Um, and so, like, do you have a lot of really good ideas for, like, sharing some recipes that people do for a lot of the cu- the cuts of meat that you guys produce? Or that you provide? Yeah, yeah. So we've started doing some recipe videos, which have turned out really fun. Um, some of them, if you go to our Instagram page, which is just range underscore market, you'll see me and my baby boy making some fun stuff. But so we've done that with some cuts that people aren't familiar with, like skirt steak. And we just did a short rib ramen recipe. Um, so we, yeah, I, I actually need to try that one. Lindsay did that. Okay. And she said it was phenomenal. Um, and we've sent some, some of our boxes of beef to food bloggers and they've done some recipes. So buyer beware, B-E-Y-E-R just did a recipe for us featuring some beef chorizo from one of our producers. And so, yeah, we're definitely expanding in the recipe space and we're, um, we're redoing some of our software right now. And so we'll have a blog and recipes up around like March 1st, where when you go to a cut, it'll automatically take you to one of our recipes, um, that we've tried and tested. And so, yeah, we have some plans for that for sure. I will also add that with several of our boxes of beef, producers sometimes send out recipes. Um, and if people want them, they can just put in the comments, send me some recipe ideas for this and they'll send them recipes. So there's that too. That's perfect. And and that's a, that's another good point that I want to talk about. Um, when you're buying local, you can get so many more cuts of beef that you might not know about. I mean, there's a local rancher around here in Florida called Boyd Farms Fresh. And it's an, it's a, it's an old senator here in Florida. And um, they go to farmer's markets, they have a big old truck where they have like their their meat. And I bought a hanger steak from them. You can't find that in a grocery store. And it was so good. My wife and I, we cooked it for Valentine's Day last year. And it was delicious. It was like one of the best steaks I've ever had. And when you support smaller scale ranches, you can find those delicious, very desirable cuts of meat that are really hard to find. Yeah, for sure. There's some really fun stuff on there like that you wouldn't normally get. Even like there's been a big nutrition push for liver, oh, you know, yeah. things like that. Yeah, so that we have variety cuts like that. Um, my parents are just getting some animals harvested this week and they're keeping back the tongues. You know, so there's just, yeah, there's fun stuff that you wouldn't normally have. And a big thing that we do on Range Market, going back to the sustainability piece, um, it's – not sustainable to only sell ribeyes, right? And so I think a lot of these online meat places like Omaha Steaks and Snake River Farms, a lot of what they're selling is like a tenderloin, a ribeye, etc. But really, the bulk of product from an animal is ground beef. And not a lot of people are buying that as much. And so the piece that we're trying to be more sustainable in is um, getting consumers to buy the whole animal from yeah. hoof 
two no's, right? And so we create these boxes where we add a lot of cuts that maybe people wouldn't be comfortable with because they just don't know how to cook them, um, like a skirt steak or like a hang hanger steak. Don't worry, we're not throwing liver and tongue in there. Um, but some of these lesser known cuts, and then we give them ideas of how to prepare them. So when they order their box, like, It'll come with, you know, four ribeyes and maybe five pounds of ground beef. And then there's a cut or two that's like, hey, try this. We think you'll like it, you know? Yeah, give it a whirl. Like, you don't know. Give it a whirl. It's going to be yeah. try it. And it's funny that you talked about beef tongue. I had Jess Pryles, who does the hardcore carnivore thing. Um, I yeah. had her on the show the other day, and the episode actually went live today. And she talked about her recipe for beef tongue. And I really want to try it. I mean, she does, like, beef tongue tacos. And she was like, nine times out of ten... You eat it, you have no clue what it is. And then you, you, I tell you and you're like, wait, what? This is so delicious. I never would have thought it. So that's something I really, really, really want to try. Well, when we get it back, you'll have to buy a box with some beef tongue in it. Deal, deal. That would work. Um, yeah, I got to try your products. I'm going to I'm gonna order some stuff very, very soon. Um, but yeah, if people want to learn more about Range Market, where can they go order stuff from you guys? What about social media? Where all can they go? Yeah, so it's just rangemarket.com. Um, it's the name is the URL. So that makes it pretty easy. And when you're on there, you can navigate to different farms and different cuts of beef and, and all that. And like I said, we're going through a massive software upgrade right now. The site is still great. It functions, but it's going to look a lot different March 1st. We're going to have maybe some more videos on there and things like that. Um, so it's just kind of slow beef time, January, February, our beef buying time, I should say. And so we're taking the opportunity to, to really do a lot of work on our back end uh, to make things look really sharp for our consumers come grilling season, right? Because everyone wants a good ribeye for the grill. Um, but Instagram, as I mentioned, just range underscore market. And we're on Facebook as well at just range market. Well, that's perfect. I mean, so it's pretty easy to find us. Yeah. So is grilling season kind of like your busy season a little bit, like the summer when everybody starts grilling? Well, we don't know because we launched for Christmas, but, you know, given like all the data we've seen and it just like beef buying trends, like, uh, Memorial Day, Father's Day is a really big beef buying time. And so we actually are working with a marketing agency um, right now to kind of come up with some some good campaigns that will be in time for Memorial Day and Father's Day. And then again for the holiday buying season. And so that's when we expect the most traffic. But obviously we like year-round beef sales. And we've seen some trickle through here in January actually out to the East Coast. But oh. for the most part, the big the big buying seasons would be like, yeah, your, your start of summer grilling season. And then obviously everyone loves prime rib for Christmas. Oh, yeah, that's true. That, that's always a good gift to get under the, under the yeah. gift, whether it's a gift card or like actual meat. Um, so what, what are the next five or 10 years looking like for you and, and range market? Like obviously continue to grow. Do you want to have more proteins offered? Like what's the next five or 10 years going to look like? You know, my developer's from New Zealand and oh. we always talk about how fun it would be to have range market like globally, mm -hmm. like a range market in Australia, New Zealand, a range market in South Africa, a range market in, you know, Europe. Like, like it, it'd be so cool if there was range markets around the world because I think this trend is global. Right. I, I'm, I shouldn't say I think. I know it's global. People everywhere really want to know where their food comes from. And being a farmer and rancher is not getting any easier economically no matter where in the world you live, right? Um, and so there's this, this 
problem of economics for farms and ranches. And there's also the, the opportunity of consumers wanting to know where their food comes from everywhere. So I think that'd be so cool to someday expand globally. Um, in terms of more protein, I have no pork on here right now. So that's not even a five or 10 year thing. We need some pig people, some pork producers on the site. Um, so that's, that's a meat I would love to add. Would love to add more creameries. I have one creamery on there right now from upstate New York, but I think people love cheese, right? Um, and it'd be awesome if someday we could have a couple distribution centers where this would really help with a shipping deal, where we could collect meat and cheese from producers in that area and then create almost bundles, variety bundles for people. So they could go on and they could say, I want ribeye from this farm, but I want cheese from this farm and I want some chicken from this farm. And then we could put it all in one box and send it to them. I think that would be so cool. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Have like a hub network where you know, yeah. they ship it all and then it ships out. Like, I think that would be perfect. And yeah. Sure have would... little range market trucks driving around down the road and like picking up beef from all these farms and ranches and then bringing it to the central hub. And that way you can kind to have a, a one-stop shop for all your range of proteins and you can get it in one box. I think that would be so cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And I'm I'm sure at that level, that would definitely be a full-time thing if, if it gets to that level, which hopefully it does. Yeah, I think that would be a full-time thing then. But, you know, you got to dream big, right? Oh, yeah. Go big or go home. Um, well, Cassie, this has been so cool. I, the best of luck to you guys at Range Market. I love learning about stuff like this and just kind of the really how you're shaking up the industry. So best of luck. I hope you continue to grow it. Definitely going to order some stuff soon. When tongues come in, I'm going to order them, I swear. And I'm going to do a cooking video. Be like, hey, Range Market, Jess Pryles, check out these beef tongues I did. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks so much for having us. And when those come in, I might just send them to you free so you can try them and tell us all how they oh, are. Oh, deal. Okay. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> well, thanks so much for being on. Thank you, Trevor. Thanks again for listening to this episode with Cassie and learning about Range Market. Again, check out the links below and go to rangemarket.com for all their good stuff and check out some more of our awesome content at thefarmtraveler.com. And of course, follow us on social media wherever you might be at. I made it really easy for you. All the links are below in the description of this episode for Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all that good stuff. And of course, if you haven't already, now is a great time to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've been putting up a lot more shorts, video clips, interviews, all that good stuff. So go subscribe if you haven't. We are getting dangerously close to a thousand subscribers, which is super exciting. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Adios. while it's fun to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish this is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here from the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters enjoy the best fishing panama city beach has to offer during chasing the sun sundays at 9 30 a.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment